Gina Molinari, affectionately known as Gina Mo, is a confident communication coach. She helps purpose-driven entrepreneurs get clear and confident as the face of their business so they can create momentum, results, and impact with their work. She utilizes her experience as a classically trained singer and her extensive knowledge in digital marketing and emotional intelligence to focus on a combination of mindset and strategy that will unlock blocks and fears in her clients on their road to success. Welcome to the Daughters of Change podcast. I'm your host, Marie Sola. Each week, we'll be bringing you stories from around the globe of the women and girls who are changing the world, each in their own unique way. Gina Mo, welcome to the Daughters of Change podcast. I'm so glad to have you here today. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much, Marie. I appreciate it. Well, Gina, we know that you're helping entrepreneurs and and a lot of women to become the face of their business and clarify their stories. But before we start talking about that, let's talk a little bit about your story and your journey. What was it that made you want to do this for a business? You know, it was such a long evolutionary process for me because the original vision when I was a little girl was to be a singer. And when I was 12 years old, I started getting voice lessons. And as I developed my voice, I realized that I really had this affinity for classical singing. And I know, you know, opera singing is something that is very close to your heart as well because your mom loved it so much. Um, But for me, you know, that was something I got into and I realized I was really good at it. It was this wonderful challenge because of the foreign language aspect. And I mean, it's, it's challenging work. And I realized very quickly after graduating from my college degree with a music degree that I actually had severe performance anxiety and it was preventing me from really going down that road fully committed. And so even though I was committed to the training and the process of it all, I actually wasn't committed to the profession of it, which was super strange to me. And I didn't, for whatever reason, that just never occurred to me that, oh, wait, now I actually have to go do something with this, Wow, (laughs) which is kind of a problem. Yeah. So when I went to go graduate for grad school, which naturally just felt like the next thing that I should do, I didn't get into the program that trained me. And so it was really a huge blow to the ego that, hey, you know, if the place that trained me doesn't want me, who's going to? And I knew at that point that the performance aspect of it, the performance anxiety I was experiencing was not enough to, the the talent I had as a singer was not enough to outweigh that anxiety. Like I just wasn't willing to, I wasn't conquering it enough, I wasn't doing enough for it. And so I made this switch into performing arts administration where I fell in love with marketing when I got my master's degree at NYU. And from there, it was an evolution into entrepreneurship. And I was realizing how much I really loved creating new experiences and creating new um, sort of avenues in the music world. My first business was coaching artists and musicians how to be entrepreneurs, because that's something we never got in our education. But then from there, because that failed, <laughs> you know, it was just one failure after another, after another, that kind of took me down these different routes. And as you read in my, in my intro, you know, I have this background also in emotional intelligence. So I had gone to this leadership training where I did dive heavily into that. And what I realized was that all of that performance anxiety that I was experiencing was, you know, the fear that I had just never really traversed through. I had never really faced in a significant way. And I took that as what meant 
was meant to be my destiny. For, for whatever reason, I never realized that fear did not mean my reality. And so I let fear decide what I was actually supposed to do with my life. And I ran away. I ran away from music. So once I realized that that was just fear, that it was something that I could choose whether or not to acknowledge, it was like, oh, okay. So what I'm really noticing is that, you know, the reason I had this connection to music was it, it had a purpose. You know, there was no, there was this constant struggle of feeling like, but what was the point of having such an amazing talent and all of this money and all of this effort going into singing if I was too afraid to use it? What was the point of me doing that? What was the point of me having that talent and that connection that I created with music? Because as a singer, I'm fantastic. It's just the performance aspect that scared me. So it was that connection that I was creating. And with marketing, you know, it's the connection that you create when you're expressing somebody's story or you're sharing their products and services and talking about what, you know, how I make a difference in the world and being able then to wrap emotional intelligence into that and saying, you know, the, these passions and these deeper visions that we have for our life, taking that and, and translating that to all businesses, not just entrepreneurs and musicians and all of that. I mean, there's just such power in being able to connect with people in that way. And so taking all my skills from all of those past experiences, having the performance skills to be an effective public speaker, to be a confident speaker, to be the face of my business as myself and not as a character on stage in some corset and wig. I mean, that's really this long evolution of what first was born very much out of fear. That's really interesting. And you, you said a couple of things uh, that I just want to want to go back to for a second. So what, when sure. you were talking about, um, you know, not getting into the grad program where you trained and then your first um, your first business and you use the word failure. And I just want to come back on that because were they really failures or were these things that that were lessons for you that actually put you on the trajectory that you're on? Yeah, in hindsight, absolutely. They were lessons. In the moment, they did not feel like that. In the moment, they felt like failures. You know, that first business did not earn a single dollar. And I don't mean profit or I, I mean gross, like not a single dollar. So to me, that was a failure. It was just one more thing that I was having to put on the shelf because I wasn't good enough for it, just like I had done with music. So yeah, in the moment, I did not see it that way. And I truly did see it as failure. And it ate away at me. I, I was a very angry and sad person for a very long time because I didn't realize that this was all information that was actually helping me find the thing that I'm meant to do, which is where I'm at now. And and I think that's important for people, the women out there listening, the other people, other entrepreneurs, whether it's for a business or a nonprofit or something that they're trying to start. I think it's important for them to hear that because they're hearing you now, this confident woman. I mean, you're getting ready to hit the keynote, you know, the keynote circuit. You're doing so many incredible things. But there was a time for you when you didn't feel so confident, right? So I think that's a, that's a really important point, I think, to make for the listeners because we all have those times when we feel that way, right? And it's pushing through it and and trying to realize in the moment that that maybe there's a something bigger at play here than what seems so black and white. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the, absolutely. And does that so I would would hazard to say that your experience, you can probably see this in other people when they come to you to work with you. I mean, you've been through this, so you can have that camaraderie, that 
um, you know, you've walked in their shoes. Do you find that that's really helpful for you when you're working with people? Oh, a hundred percent. So as a communication coach, I cover a couple different areas, but one of them is public speaking because that is something that people have significant anxiety around. And for me, I don't have a lot of anxiety about speaking because to me, singing in comparison is much, much harder. <laughs> well, yeah. the, the speaking part is easy, but I can commiserate with somebody and I understand all of the emotions and the physical sort of sensations that are happening as they tell me that's happening. And what's interesting is that, you know, again, now that I'm in this place of having this confidence of having my sense of purpose and that clarity and seeing in hindsight how all of those quote unquote failures were lessons, I can now do that not only for myself, but for my clients. So, you know, they're sitting there telling me about this awesome opportunity that they didn't get and they thought it was a sure thing and they're so brokenhearted. And I'm able to point out the silver lining in that somehow. And to even be able to do that for myself now, you know, if something I'm maybe disappointed doesn't work out or even relationships, you know, when sometimes relationships don't work out the way we want them to, if a friend lets you down or a family member frustrates you, whatever that looks like, being able to have that conversation with myself in a more empowered way to say, you know what, this is a lesson in here somewhere. And maybe I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm not going to know what it is for another week, a month, a year, whatever that looks like. But like, I just have to have faith. And that's a lot of where I think my confidence come from is that now I have faith in kind of the process of it. And I can learn to enjoy the process as opposed to, you know, just like struggling the whole way and making it feel hard all the time. Yeah. Yeah. The, there's just, you know, the life experience that you bring to the table with what you do, to me, is unique in a way because there are a lot of coaches that might not have that life experience, and maybe they've you know they've gotten their coaching certificates or what have you. But I think it's really important when you're working with a coach to actually see where the similarities are and and that they have they've been out there and they've been through it themselves. Mm-hmm. So I think that's Yeah, I mean really... I would never hire a personal trainer like my myself I've you know struggled with my weight for a good portion of my life and if I was going to hire a personal trainer I could never hire somebody who never knew what it was like to be overweight. I just don't think they'd understand on those hard days, you know, what it's like to to have those sensations, to have those thoughts and judgments about yourself or something. And I, I see very similarly, like you're saying, you know, when my clients are frustrated or getting down on themselves and judging themselves so harshly, I have that compassion because I've done that. I've been there. It still comes up for me. I'm not perfect that it's, you know, completely out the window now, but it gets easier to kind of talk myself off the proverbial ledge. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And you you actually told me a, a really cool story about when you sang at the funeral. Are you okay sharing yeah. that? I love sharing that story. No, absolutely. It's a good so, one. Uh, it's a good one. So it's about 10 years ago now that a family friend had passed away, you know, very early Christmas morning. And at the time, it was still in very much in the thick of music and being a part of it and pursuing it. And these family friends asked if I would sing for his funeral, which as a Catholic, to sing the Ave Maria at the funeral is like the national anthem of Catholicism. You know, it's a very big deal, as you know. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, so I, I you know, I, I say, of course, because, of course, I want to do anything I can. You know, it was a it was a very painful sort of death. He was younger. Uh, you know, it was just very kind of unexpected. Even though he was sick, it was just something that came on way too quickly. And I wake up that morning, again, being in the throngs of my performance anxiety at that time, I woke up with a tickle in my throat. 
And I immediately go down this rabbit hole of, I'm going to mess it up. I'm going to botch this. Everybody's just going to be sitting there in the pews, looking back in the balcony, like, what is this bitch doing? Like, is she this? I I was so afraid that that's all they were going to remember is they were going to remember me doing a horrible job, squeaking my voice away because I wasn't in perfect, you know, tip top book health that day. And so I had every intention. It was an hour long ride down to the funeral home. And I had every intention of telling the parents of the deceased that I couldn't do it. And I pictured it in my head and I practiced it. And I was even practicing the facial expression that I was going to give because I wanted to make sure that I looked sorry and not relieved that I was doing this, <laughs> that I was quite what it is. I really did. I truly did. I remember it. And I was just, you know, I get to the funeral home and I go up to give my condolences to the, the receiving line and I get to the, his father And as I'm doing that, I go to open my mouth and he immediately just starts giving me directions of, okay, you're going to, you're going to go next door and you're going to go upstairs to the balcony and talk to the organist, Karen. Yeah, I think her name is Karen. And I swear to you, he was almost excited. It was the strangest thing. I'm like, you know, he's about to bury his son and he seems excited about it. I just didn't have it in me to, to quit in that moment because it was at that moment I sort of had that light bulb that this isn't about me. But in my head, it was still that panic. It was still that fear of, you know, now it felt like there was more pressure because here I was ready to not have to do it. But now I'm going to wind up doing it anyway. And so I go next door and I go upstairs to the balcony and I talk to Karen or whatever her name is. And I get to the point where they start playing the Ave Maria on the organ and I'm stepping up to the balcony. And I remember it so vividly. I'm standing there and my hands are shaking violently and my knees are shaking violently and my eyes are closed. And I just start and the entire room, you know, he was a younger man. He was 46 when he passed away. And so the room was just full of people and grown men, children, women, sobbing, just watching their shoulders shake from the balcony as I'm singing this song. when I was done, as as terrified as I was and all of that adrenaline running through me, I knew that I was the only person in the room that day that they could create that emotional experience for them. I knew that there were people in that audience that even though they were at a funeral, 
needed that moment of release that they were trying to look good or be a man or, you know, keep, keep saving face or whatever that is that they felt like they needed to do. But instead I broke their heart open and let them grieve. And I don't think there was anybody else in that room that day that could have done that. And so it was like this agreement I created with myself that, you know, my voice is not something for me to selfishly keep to myself, that my voice creates this experience, this emotional experience that people need. And it's not about me because that is the story I told myself for so long is that having this talent and being up there in front of a room makes me selfish because I'm showing off. And it's, it's not showing off to do what you're born to do, to share your gift and to create an experience like that. I will never forget that as long as I live what that felt like. And then to have people come up to me afterward and just thank me for doing such a beautiful job for him because it truly was the best rendition of that song that I've ever done to this day. And I just, I, I just knew in that moment, and again, as scared as I was, and I still get very scared to sing in front of other people, but every time I do it, it gets easier. Every time I do it, I just remember that moment and think, you know what? Who the hell am I to say that my fear outweighs somebody else's experience, outweighs somebody else's growth, outweighs somebody else's, you know, breakthrough? And it was just, it was the, the, the moment that I think I started to really understand what my purpose is here. That's, I love that story because you felt the fear you did it anyway, but you're not saying don't feel, you don't go out there and tell people not to feel fear, right? Everybody feels fear. And in some cases, fear is about survival, right? And I asked you to tell that story, A, because it's a wonderful story, but also you said to me, we were talking yesterday, and you said, don't be fearless, be committed and be consistent. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the premise of what my keynote is about, right? So it's, I, I don't believe in fearlessness. I think fearlessness is bullshit. I think fearlessness is a fallacy that tricks people into feeling like they can't take action because they're waiting to be motivated or they're waiting to be powerful or they're waiting to be some higher version of themselves that they'll never step into because they're waiting. And so if you're just consistent, if you just do a little bit every day to push through that, if you just do a little bit every day to take action and kind of make those mistakes, you know, failing the faster, all of those ways that I, you know, again, failed that I saw in the moment just got me to where I wanted to go eventually. So if I was doing more of that more often, imagine how much quicker I would have gotten there instead of the 10, 15 years it took me to get to that realization. But you have to do a little bit every day. And I'm more confident now to sing in front of people. That fear is still not gone. But two years ago, I sang the national anthem at the rodeo in front of 12,000 people. Oh, how and cool. It, you know what? It was the first. Yeah. And it was the first time I did it that after all the fear or whatever, the second the microphone got in my hand, I actually felt excited. I don't remember ever starting to feel excited the second before I walked on like that. But it took me years to get there. It took me years to continue practicing and putting myself in that position. It's kind of like exposure therapy in a way. But I'm never going to know what I'm capable of, how much better I can get, or whether or not this is something I truly should be and want to be doing if I don't continue to try and tweak and be consistent with it to figure out what's really the truth. Amen. I'm, I'm so happy to hear you say that because I really feel like, particularly for women and over the past maybe decade or so, people stand up and tell us, be fearless, be fearless, don't have any fear. And and like you said, it it 
it's even though I understand the message is meant to be a pot, you know, to try to move people along. It's to me, it's a bullshit message because nobody, nobody is fearless, right? It's like you said, it's like feel the fear and do it anyway, but don't, it's not, you're doing it in small, small micro doses, like you said, right? So you push through it and, and once you do it once, it's, you realize that it's not as scary as you thought it would be, you know? So maybe the next time you're not as scared, but to just say, be fearless. I mean, I, now I'm not a psychologist, but I believe I read someplace that the only people that are like completely fearless are like sociopaths, right? Because they don't have emotions. <laughs> don't be a sociopath. But, um, but you're right. People wait and, and they wait for everything to be perfect until they don't feel any fear until, until they think like they're building themselves up. But meanwhile, they're not moving forward. And so I, I'm really happy. I love your messaging, and I'm really happy to hear you say, don't be fearless, you know, be be committed, be consistent, get out there, just do, you know, do these little, do little things, you know, moving forward, you eat an elephant one bite at a time, right? So that's that's very cool. And you focus in on confidence, consistency, and clarity within the within communication. How do you how do you work with I know everybody obviously is different that comes to see you. There's no one size fits all. But what are the overreaching um sort of similarities when you're working with somebody that you try to, you know, really to really get them to where they need to be with their communication? Yeah, well, I think people think they they need certain things, but it ultimately winds up being another thing, right? So there's plenty of times that people come to me and they think they're lacking clarity. They think that, you know, their messaging sucks because they're not really clear on what they want to say, when in reality, what they lack is the confidence. They're lacking the confidence to feel like they're worthy of putting themselves out there or that they're good enough to put themselves out there. And then it becomes the same for, you know, consistency. It's, well, you know, I'm not being consistent enough. I know I should be doing more. I've read all the books. I've watched all the webinars. Like, I don't understand why I'm not gaining more momentum. And when you look at it, it's like, well, you're not being consistent enough. Why aren't you being consistent enough? Well, because you're not confident enough for similar reasons. I don't feel like I'm good enough. I don't feel like I'm worthy enough. Or there is that true lack of clarity where you don't know what you're trying to say. So how can you have momentum and consistency if there's no clarity of what the message even is? So it becomes like this very interwoven sort of experience of one thing truly affecting another and then becoming a cyclical thing once you get that cycle going. Like once you really dive into it and see what's really happening and see the forest for the tree. Because one of the interesting things is that like, when it comes to confidence and this clarity piece, I mean, people come to me, I just had a client the other day who just the first words out of her mouth when I asked her, you know, what do you feel like your your sort of marketing strategy looks like right now? And she said the words, I'm a mess. I'm a complete mess. Like she just gave herself no credit whatsoever. But by the time 90 minutes was over, it was like, okay, well, here's the actual goal you're working for. You know, a second ago, you had no idea where you wanted to go and what you wanted your business to do or any of that. And you called yourself a mess. And now you're thinking, okay, well, here are my next steps to get where I want to go. Like you thought 90 days that we were going to work together was going to be all of you finding out what that decision is and what that plan could look like. And here we are doing it in 90 minutes. You know, and just being able to knock through all that. So it's really just being able to dive deep into it and really looking at this fear. Like, is this fear 
actual information or are you just running away from it because you feel like there's, you know, some, some shiny object you should be chasing? Like the, the sort of consistency I see among clients is that they're trying to do it the way somebody else did because they had success with it. And they're making themselves miserable because it's either something that they really don't want to be doing. And of course, then that affects the consistency and the confidence and all of that. Or that ultimately it's just not something that's going to work for them because of who they are as a person. So they're either miserable and not doing a great job of really stepping into that, or it's just not a strategy that works for them. Again, kind of going to this, you know, fitness world or whatever, all these diets, there's all these diets out there in the world. Not everything works for every person. And yet you see all these testimonials for each version. Yeah, because for some people it's going to work. And I'm very much of this subscription of the idea that like, you you cannot give one person the same marketing strategy as another person. And that's where this communication thing really comes into like, you know, there's all these best practices, but what works for me and what I enjoy doing and I thrive doing and create that consistency doing and have confidence doing is not going to be the same as what works for you because you're a different person than me. You have different likes than me. You have different strengths than me. You have different weaknesses than me, but you better not be ignoring really good marketing strategies because you're afraid to do them. And so we get to be really clear on, are you afraid to do it or do you just really not like doing it? Because those are two very different animals. Well said, really well said, because you do, you know, if when you're starting a business and if you're looking, you know, you're looking outside and you're, you're going through, you know, people's social media and they all have this plan of this is how I did it, you know, take my webinar and you just do these three things and you're going to be successful. But it is, like you said, it's not one size fits all. And I'll, I'll look, you know, guilty, you know, guilty myself of, of being that person that has said, well, geez, like, I don't know what my message is, but I do know it's all inside there. And it's when you try to put a round peg in a square hole, it doesn't work, you know? So I'll look at a lot of things personally. I was talking to a young woman the other day that was a really gifted singer, right? Imagine that, the similarity there. And I'm just saying, you know, a lot of singers, huh? <laughs> yeah, and, and I, she actually reached out to me on Instagram and she sent me her song and I was blown away. And so we ended up having like a Zoom call. And she was saying, you know, I know with Instagram and she's, you know, she's young and she's saying, I know, you know, people are out there, they're putting all these body shots up there. They're putting pictures of themselves up there. or They're, they're getting up and they're, you know, they're every day they're going live. And she said, but I just like, it just doesn't feel right for me. And, you know, I'd love to connect you with her actually. And, and that was that it's just what you were saying. So there are some things that are going to become very naturally to somebody, and but she said it doesn't feel right. You know, it wasn't like I'm afraid to do it; just didn't feel right. So then there's there's another way. What does feel right? And then you, I imagine, help people determine what that is. Yeah, and you know how we do it is trial and error. So my highest level program is this 90 day program, and it's meant to be the highly accountable and highly intensive. And the whole idea of it is that we can create this unrelenting confidence in you and this really great momentum and consistency, but it's going to be consistent action for 90 days. And if you're taking consistent action, we're going to find out really fast what's working for you, what's not working for you. And the whole thing starts with a sort of mindset deep dive of like, okay, in 90 minutes, let's figure out what you really hate doing, what you really think, what you really want, get into all of that nitty gritty. So inevitably, when we're going through all these action steps and you're taking action or you're not taking action, 
we can sort of have an idea of like, ah, that's that thing really is ugly head on you. That's that fear that we were talking about in our first session that is preventing you from moving forward with this particular thing. Why? Is this actually a fear of yours and we just need to break through it right now by doing something else or tweaking it a little bit? Or is this just something that's genuinely not working for you? Okay, great. Move on. That's how we deal with it. But there has to be that mindset piece to start with so that we're clear on, okay, what's really going on? Because how many times does that happen, right? Like we get in an argument about like, you know, the bread or something. <laughs> you get in these super silly arguments with people about little things. And then it turns out to actually be something much, much deeper. That's kind of the same premise that we go through over 90 days. And in 90 days, if you want to utilize the most, you know, opportunity of our coaching together, you have to discontinue to take action. And that's how way you're going to have a massive transformation over such a short period of time. So I don't give people a chance to think. I don't give them a chance to be afraid. It's just, look, we're going to do this and we're going to see what happens. And I promise you that I'm going to be there with you the whole step of the way. Because here's the interesting thing. I love giving this little anatomy lesson. So when it comes to fear, you know, the, the whole fight or flight thing, like we feel fear in our bodies in a way that evolutionarily we don't really need to feel anymore. We, we're not going to get attacked by saber-toothed tigers and woolly mammoths and dinosaurs and whatever the hell, right? So our bodies <laughs> still not. have that same <laughs> yeah, I really hope not. Our bodies still have that same physical response though. And the reason is because when we're tight, when we're tense, when we're nervous, our bodies constrict. And what happens when your body constricts? You physically restrict the space that your lungs can expand. So if your lungs aren't expanding as much as they could or should be, then you can't breathe as well. If you can't breathe as well, you probably feel like you're going to die. So it's just exacerbating, like having all of this tension exacerbates the fear that you're already feeling because it continues to feed that thought in your mind, that deep, deep seated thought of something's wrong, something's wrong. And so you wind up like feeding into it. But the second that you create some form of evidence, whether it's just doing something, taking that first step, taking that first jump, whatever it is, and you prove to your body, you prove to like all the neurons in your body that you didn't actually die doing this thing. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's not so bad. <laughs> and your body really releases a lot of that tension. So it's such a physiological response to feel that way, but you have to take action to prevent it from literally freezing you. And, and you think about how often we don't move forward with an idea or something we want to do because of that that story that's running in our head, you know, and then you are physically, as you said, feeling the fear as well. Somebody said to me the other day, like, a half-baked idea with action behind it is better than the best idea that's just written on paper. So, the you know, the same idea of just take – what's the worst thing that can happen? That's something I'll say to myself, too, sometimes when I'm feeling fear. Like, what's the absolute worst thing that can happen if I do this? You know, and – and when you realize, I mean, I'm not talking about like jumping out of an airplane or something like that, because then you could really come up with some like some <laughs> bad shit that could happen, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's that's kind of different. I mean, if we're talking about business day to day, you know, what's the worst thing that's going to happen if I try this? Maybe I won't be great at it, but at least I will have tried it and I'll know, you know. And so I think that I like, I really appreciate and like your approach to this. Thank you. Well, and you think of it on the flip side of the people who are scared of success because maybe they're afraid they'll lose it, they can't maintain it or whatever. Asking that flip, flip side question, I had a coach uh, who I worked with last year ask this constantly, how good can I let this get? So instead of worrying that the other shoe is going to drop, how good can I let this get? 
That's a great question. I think a lot of people are afraid right? of, of success. I mean, I've, I've had to have that conversation with myself as I've started to put myself out more. But I noticed now that I've sort of noticed it in myself, I notice it with other people. And so that's a, such a great question. Like, how far can I let this go? And have you figured out for yourself how far you're going to let it go? It grows every day. Every day I'm realizing that the more I let myself dream, that it actually kind of comes to me easier than I realize. I mean, even even just reconnecting with you the other day and being able to speak out loud, hey, these are the things I'm working on and that I'm aiming toward, and then you being able to connect me to the people to make that happen faster. I mean, it's, it's just a matter of kind of speaking it out into the ether. And I mean, I'm not a woo-woo person at all, but let me tell you, there is something about, yeah, just taking action on it, even if it's just declaring it out loud to another person. That is still action because there's a sense of accountability there. Absolutely. It's true. And, and when you when you put it out there, it's amazing what what you attract back. Like who, you know, all of a sudden people come across your path that you haven't seen for a while or, you know, you see something. I, I always say if I if something comes into my head and then there are two or three things that happen right away that that solidify that idea, then move on it. You know, there's, there is that, yeah, just being, once you say it, watch out because you just never know what's going to happen, what you're going to get back. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a good thing. Well, Gina, so I have to ask you what, so what you're doing now with your coaching, you're getting ready to do some keynote speaking. And we're going to talk a little bit about that before we wrap up. Um, Do you see a bridge for yourself here back to your singing? I do. Yeah. So this will segue nicely into the keynote conversation. So I, I am so committed to going back and finishing what I started, essentially. You know, like I said, I started voice lessons when I was 12 years old. I'm now 34. So that's been a long time that, you know, I, I have that experience and, and the, that knowledge and all of that. And I probably walked away from it officially. I mean, I kind of, you know, sang in the choir here or there in the past 10 years or so, but I probably walked away from it officially more like 10, 15 years ago. And it's, it's, I really am curious if I allow myself to get back into it with a voice teacher, get myself back into the vocal shape that I was back then, and then to see how far I truly could have gone. Because the thing with, you know, musicians or performers or artists of any kind is there's no such thing as perfection. So it's, again, that idea of how good can I let this get? Like, how far can I truly push myself and see what I was capable of? And I would love to incorporate that into my keynotes, actually. And I think it's a really important thing to do for me, not just for the entertainment value, because, of course, that could be fun, like a lot of fun. But it's a practice of me practicing what I preach and continuing to step into something that I'm terrified to do. I, like I said, I am still terrified to sing in front of people like that. Put me up in a balcony as ambient noise. I'm okay. But in front of people on a stage, I am still terrified. And so if I continue to push through that, if I continue to show up and show people that this is something that can still be beneficial, even when you're afraid, then I'm practicing what I preach. And I think that could land so much more powerfully for somebody who's having struggles with that same sort of idea. There's a, there's a symbiotic relationship between those two things, the keynote and the singing. And I, I, I predict, (laughs) I predict that you're going to, you're going to let me know someday that you were on a stage with a keynote and you busted out in song and you're going to be singing at La Scala or something in Italy. I'm just waiting for that. (laughs) Wait to go to my first grand opera in Italy to see you, Gina Mo. 
I will buy your tickets to get there if uh, that happens. I, I promise you. <laughs> when it happens. Well, we're coming yeah, up. There you go. I know that you have other places you have to be. So we're we're coming up sort of towards the end of the podcast. But I do have a very important question for you, Gina. What is the best piece of advice that you have for the other Daughters of Change out there and everybody who's listening? Yeah, this is something I actually was talking to somebody about earlier today, and it's from Lewis House. Don't be perfect, be patient. He made a five-minute Friday sort of video and podcast about it, and he talks about all the struggles he was kind of going through at that time. It's about five years ago, I think it came out now. And there's just a constant reminder. That means something different to me every time I need to say it to myself. But this don't be perfect. There's no such thing as perfection. There's always something that could have been better. And I'm somebody who has spent a long time judging myself and I should have done this and this should have been better. Why am I not here yet? I'm too old for this. I'm too young for this. I'm too fat for this. I'm too smart for this. All these sort of conversations. But the reality is that if I am committed to the process and I just continue to speak out the things that are important to me and I continue to work on myself and am disciplined enough to stay the course, then I just have to be patient and it'll come. It's faith. It's faith. And it's something I don't think I had for many, many years when I was younger and I didn't recognize that that's what it was. That's really good advice. Don't be perfect. Be patient. And let's be honest, perfect is a little creepy. (laughs) <laughs> I, it's like step. We're getting to Stepford Wife, you know, robot people, right? I, perfect is, yeah. It's just my take on perfection. It's a little creepy. Stop trying to be perfect. <laughs> be patient. Have flaws. It's a great time to be authentic. It's actually, it's actually in to be authentic now. You know, when I was a kid, authenticity yeah. got me grounded a lot. But now, like people like it. <laughs> Who would have thought? Great. Yes. Well, Gina. I do want to just let people know that are listening that you are okay. I can tell you, I've got a, I have a really good eye and a good mindset for good keynotes. This, this lady, you're going to hear about her. She's going to be taken off. So if you are looking for a keynote speaker, we will make sure that we have links in the show notes for ways that you can get a hold of Gina. We'll have your website up there, your social media, all of the links so that you can find Gina when you need your next keynote speaker. Or if you're looking to get some clarity and confidence around your messaging, she's a gal. And I would even hazard to say, if you need somebody to sing and you can put her in the balcony, maybe she'll do that now. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank yeah. you for all that. I yeah. appreciate it. No, thank you for taking the time to to talk with me and the daughters of change out there listening and the people who love and support them and all the entrepreneurs. Good stuff. Really good stuff. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Daughters of Change podcast. To learn more about today's guest or any of our previous guests, you can visit daughtersofchange.com forward slash podcast. You can connect with Daughters of Change on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram by searching those platforms for Daughters of Change. If you are a daughter of change yourself and would like to appear on the show, send me an email at marie at daughtersofchange.com. Thanks again for taking the time to listen today. Take care.